Wasn't good, God good to us this morning? Amen. Just a good word from the Lord about uh, Ruth and God's contribution to His own royal lineage through a Moabitess woman. An older preacher was uh, a pretty good student of the audience, and every now and then he had noticed that the audience was going away from me. He was a visiting preacher, so he'd kind of break into their sleep by saying something like this. He said, you know, some of the happiest years of my life were spent in the lap of another man's wife. And, man, everybody just raised their head up, and then he'd say, my mother. <laughs> and a young preacher was there, and he thought, you know, boy, that was great. That, that just brought the audience back in. And so the next time he was preaching, he noticed the audience was slipping a little bit. So he said, you know, the, the happiest years of my life were spent in the lap of another man's wife. And he got this deer-in-the-headlight stare he said, but you know, for the life of me, I can't think of who she was. <laughs> so, I want you to pull up close tonight and pay a little bit of attention. I, I want to admit to you tonight that I've been distracted and intrigued by a couple of women. Not my mom, not my wife who's here tonight, not my daughter, not my granddaughter. Those two women, one of them this morning I spoke about, Ruth, and the other is Esther. That's where we'll be going tonight. If you'll find Esther, it's between Nehemiah and Job. Esther. I really wanted to tamp that down. I could feel the rumor mill already kicking up when I made that confession. I'm, one, of, one of these days I'm getting older, but I really think I could contribute to social media. I told the preaching workshop the other day about that, or the mission conference. I'm going to try to help older people with uh, social media. And it's, I'm going to call it Stalkers on Walkers. <laughs> and uh, let's, let's look in uh, chapter 4 of, of Esther. This is probably the the hinge of the book, beginning in verse 13. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if, they're altogether, if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlarge and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? That's a, one of the great statements that Mordecai said to Esther. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. Fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, 
I perish. That's one of the other great statements that's made by Esther. So Mordecai went his way, did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Father, bless your word tonight. Thank you for those that have gathered and just to pray that you'll cause all of us to hear from you tonight. And I pray that we'll get the heart of the book of Esther tonight. Realize what you're doing today in this day in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we talked about Ruth this morning, that things are dark and getting darker, but we can be encouraged because even in the midst of the most evil days of the people of God, the book of Judges, God was still working His work in the lives of people. Tonight we want to look at Esther. While Ruth was a Gentile pagan widow who married a rich Jewish bachelor, Tonight we're going to realize that Esther was a pious Jewish virgin who married a a Gentile pagan king. The book of Esther is set in post-captivity days when God's people had been delivered from that captivity. But what sadly happened is many of them never returned back to Israel, never, never returned back to Jerusalem. And this is one of those messages to those Jews who stayed in Persia and did not return. There was a whole group of them that did that. You may not know where Persia is, but if I told you about Iraq, Saddam Hussein, you might remember that history. Chronologically, Esther is set between the 6th and the 7th chapters of Ezra, of the Jews that were allowed to go home by King Cyrus, but they were too comfortable. But let's look at the book, and if you'd like to, just go back to the first chapter, and you'll be glad that I'm going to give you the cliff notes of this sermon tonight. I figure if you came out tonight in this kind of weather, you wanted the full document, but I'll be kind to you. That's about as good a promise you'll get from a Baptist preacher. Chapter 1 begins with a state-sponsored banquet where everyone who was a who's who attended. It was a fabulous, marvelous thing that you read about. The king, or Hazarias, wanted to put on a big deal, a big shindig. Don't ask me to spell spell that. And uh, who doesn't like free food, right? So everybody shows up. And then in the midst of this, there is a national scandal involving the king's Queen Vashti, who when the king wanted to show her off to his buddies, she said no. Any man knows that any time a woman says no, you better pay attention. But in this case, the king got all upset and uh, made a big deal out of it. And not only did he make a big deal out of it, all the men were afraid that their wives were going to be, start telling them no too. And so they began to realize that well, we've got not only a, a national scandal of a, an embarrassing separation and divorce of a reigning queen, but also it may spark the threat of a women's liberation movement throughout the whole nation of uh, Persia. That's chapter 1. Chapter 2, there's a year-long beauty contest to replace Queen Vashti. Esther, the undercover Jewish, an orphan, 
becomes queen out of nowhere to, to the biggest someplace in her life. Esther, her Persian name, is to the goddess Star, Estar, and uh, it's a lot better than her Jewish name, Hadassah, which means myrtle tree. Excuse me, I, I can't get on to some of these Bible names that they name their children. But uh, anyway, I'm not complaining. I just not, not don't get it. Esther was orphaned by both of her mom and dad and was adopted by her cousin, older cousin, Mordecai. That's chapter 2. Chapter 3 through 8, the villain of the book, Haman, shows up full of jealousy and anger and pride and eventually humiliated and Pride goes before destruction is a verse that comes to mind. In chapter 3, there's a national law instituted or instigated by Haman to exterminate all the Jews. In chapter 4 that we read, Esther was put on the spot. You couldn't come to the king at your own behest. You had to be invited to the king. And so Mordecai told her, if you don't do this, God's going to do something to protect the Jews from other areas. But God's using you because he's raised you for a time as this. And then Esther responded, if I die, I die. Chapter 4. <coughs> Chapter 6. I believe this is a brand new water bottle. Thank you very much. I saw a used one up here today, and I didn't want to reuse that one. I figured that was for the Baptist, baptized. <laughs> Let me take a moment to get my voice back just a little bit. Very, very unusual for me to do that, but I'll preach it out here in just a minute. In chapter 6, God flips the script on Haman and uh, his plan to kill Mordecai. In chapter 7, Mordecai becomes the replacement for Haman, and Haman dies on a 75-foot gallows. In chapters 8 through 10, a law that allowed the Jews to defend themselves. They couldn't overturn the law, but it did allow them to defend themselves. In chapter 9... The victory of the Jews over their enemies created a national celebration called Purim, which is still celebrated annually by the Jews. And then finally in chapter 10, how about amen for a finally? Mordecai, the good man with the servant's heart, becomes the prime minister, and the story ends. That might be a good place just to say amen and go home, but that's really not my intent. What I found very interesting about the book of Esther is that while the king's name is mentioned 27 times, and if you use the other kinds of pronouns for him, he shows up about 192 times. But listen, God is not mentioned by name or by pronoun one time in the book of Esther. Did you know that? He's not mentioned. You know, if I remember when I was a boy, when uh, I was actually a little bit older than a boy, older teenager, almost a 20-year-old some odd, when the Russian cosmonaut was uh, came back from being the first one in 
outer space and he didn't find God. I want to answer him and I want to answer this book. What makes this book of Esther and all of her events is when people ask, where is God? I want to just preach a very short message tonight from this book, and I'll just peruse through it again for you, is that when you can't see God, keep looking. When you can't see God, since God's not named in the book, we don't need to close the Bible and say, well, God's not anywhere around. We just need to keep looking. And the first thing I would say is when you can't find God, keep looking. God is always present. You know God's present here tonight? God was present at your house when you left home to come to church tonight. There's never been a place where God hasn't been. He's, always, he's never had to go anywhere. He's always been present. Now that's called omnipresence. Sometimes there are manifestations of His presence that we pick up on. But the good news is that while Esther does not, the book does not record God by name, He's always present. Tony Evans, the black pastor across town over South Oak Cliff of Dallas said, God's complete essence is fully present in all places and at all times. And really before time. When there was nothing, God was present in that sense of nothingness. So, I don't know if it's ever dawned on you, but God had never had to go anywhere. He's always been, wherever. Any kind of movement, He's been aware of that. Any kind of motive, he's, He ponders that in our hearts and lives. Any kind of murmur, He hears that. And though God's not visible always, He's always present. And he took, a, took upon himself the form of a man when Jesus was born, and he became flesh and blood for us. And eventually, when we get to heaven, we're going to see Jesus in a supernatural glorified body. And so it'll be easier for us to communicate and to enjoy the presence of God. So when you can't see God, keep looking. God is always present. And then secondly... When you can't see God, keep looking. God is accomplishing His purposes. You know, if God's determined to do anything, He's going to do it. Whether it's voted against or voted for by Americans, God's going to do His will. And we might as well just uh, let God be God, if I could be so audacious to say that. Because God is going to be God in every circumstance and fulfill His purpose. Now, we haven't figured out what the... The war in Israel is where that has a biblical prophecy being fulfilled. I've, I've looked into it and I've read and listened and I'm interested in that. But listen to me, God's going to accomplish His purpose in any hour, in any situation. We're not going to God, knock God off of His schedule. He's going to come when He wants to come. And you and I just need to be aware of that because God is always going to be God present in the moment and accomplishing His purpose. What that does for me is it helps me understand that although I don't see it and I don't know it, God's always up to something. And it can be so far out of our vision or our knowledge that we think, well, God's nowhere and God's doing nothing, when in reality that's not true. Look here at Esther. 
She's a little servant girl in the court of the king, and then she becomes the queen. Just out of nowhere, God brings her forth. Same thing is true with Joseph in the Old Testament. He was in prison, and God brought him out. God had a purpose for him walking that 17 years there from the time he was 17 until he was 30. God had a purpose for that. When Moses was on the backside of the desert, God was involved in that. He was working his purpose. When David was just a shepherd boy, God was going to bring him out of obscurity into prominence because it was God's purpose for his life. And the great news is God's got a purpose for you and he's got a purpose for me as well. So when you can't see God, keep looking. He's always present. He's accomplishing his purpose. And he is also activated by his providence. Now, providence is not a word we use a lot, but in the founding, founding documents of America, God is referred to as providence. That is, they recognize that God was at work in the midst of the circumstances of the founding of America. Providence simply means to pro before vision, to see before, and to provide for what he sees before coming into our lives. Now what that does for me is it helps me to have peace in my troubled circumstances. No matter what's going on, I know God is, is there, God is accomplishing his purpose, and God is activating his, his providence for our lives and, it, and our lives are not in the grip of fortune or chance or luck or fate. We're in the hand of an almighty God. And think about it for Esther. She was right there at the right time, and God plugged her in to do his will. And, and you're, you're right there. You're right there in this building tonight. And tomorrow, God's going to put you out there. And he's not only got a purpose by his providence, he's ordained that you be where you are tomorrow unless you're out of his, his will. And then even then, God can override that for his glory and for your good unless you're just completely, uh, I was fixed to say stupid, but you're not supposed to use that word. And think about Mordecai. Mordecai reported the assassination of King Ahasuerus, and yet nothing was done to recognize that until one night the king was uh, sleepless in Shushan, and he asked his record people, Has, uh, who, well, anything gone on? And said, well, Mordecai foiled a, an assassination attempt. And said, what have we done for it? And well, nothing's been done. Well, and then walks Haman in. This is chapter 3 and 4. Haman walks in, and so the king says, what do you think we should do for somebody that's been so faithful and so good to me? And he's thinking he's talking about himself. And yet he's talking about Mordecai. Providence. J. Vernon McGee said, the hand of God is in the glove of human events. When God is not at the steering wheel, he's in the back seat. And he's the coach who calls the plays from the bench. When you can't see God, keep looking. He's always present. He is accomplishing his purpose. He's activating by his providence. And then he assures us of his protection. You know, I find a lot of God's people who are just uptight. 
and it's not right for the upright to be uptight. We ought to be at peace. I love that song, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. We ought to live in a a peaceful life because the God that sometimes we don't think He's around is actually very much involved in our life and protecting us. There's so much crazy traffic out here, you better pray just getting across Hazel Avenue. You need His protection in your life. And it was such, so providential that God protected the life of your pastor. Do you, do you, do you understand that? I mean, you know, us hard-headed men, you know, some pain comes on. We just think that's just old age or some, some flare-up or something. And then the Lord put him in the right place at the right time and got the right doctor to him that they didn't open him straight up because he, when he called me Friday, they were afraid it, his appendix had burst. And that's a major, major complication of one's health. But isn't God good like that? He's protecting us. And I'm so glad that in the case of Esther, he protected her identity until he brought her forth and made her the, the queen. And, and she did that without even the king's invitation. And think about Mordecai. Sometimes, like Esther, he, he saves us in our circumstance. But like Mordecai, he saves us out of our circumstance. He takes us out of that danger. And either way, God's grace is good for us in the moment because God's always working in our behalf. God's protecting you and me, but think about what he had done here for this Jewish nation. He protected them. And I don't want to get too far off the track, but we need to keep standing for Israel. We need to make sure we understand that if we maintain our relationship with them and our friendship with them, that God's going to bless this nation. And my, my soul, we need God's blessing. We need, we need something going right for us. And one of the things that can do that is if we bless the Jews, God will bless us. And they've been in so much trouble. And I'm afraid it's going to be for a long time. But you need to hear what the old psalmist said. Behold, he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. God's in charge. Don't worry about it. Like an old Irish man who was having a hard time getting to sleep one night, he got up and read the Bible, read that verse with Psalm 121, verse 1. God neither slumbers nor sleeps. He said, well, God, if you're going to stay up, I believe I'll go to bed. And I think that's a great attitude, isn't it? Just that you and I can be at peace in our heart knowing that God's protecting us. God's watching over us. I remember when our children were children and then when they were teenagers and driving and then finally commuting back and forth to North Texas State to get their degrees. I remember how much concern we had for their protection, praying for them, watching over them. But then you get a piece to realize not only are you watching over them, God's watching over them. I remember that one of the things we did for our daughter was that we gave her a bag phone. You remember the bag phones? They were big enough to bury some big people in. I mean, they were that big. Now, she had strict orders. Don't use that, but in case of, of life and death emergencies. I mean, it was just ridiculous. It cost $25, $30 a minute back in the days when 25 or $30 really was something. But we did that to protect her, and we did that to give ourselves a little bit of peace. But 
Aren't you glad we've got a great God who hasn't gone to sleep on us either? We have, we have something better than Social Security. We have eternal security. And we're kept in the hand of the Father. So when you can't see God, keep looking. He's always present. He is uh, accomplishing His purpose. He's activated by His providence. He is, assures us of His protection. And then He's acquiring pardon. You might wonder, well, where does pardon come up in the book? Well, actually, it comes up in all of these provinces that the first chapter mentions. There were India and Ethiopia and over 127 provinces under King Ahasuerus' rule. And the Jews were right in the big middle of all of that. And here's something to think about. God was going to provide salvation through whom? The Jews. And God was going to watch over that in order to provide salvation. I have preached this message before. And uh, when I made this next statement, I got blacklisted by Facebook. An algorithm picked it up. I simply said, I usually don't speak favorably of Martin Luther because he thought that the book of Esther was too nationalistic and that there was no gospel in it. Well, the algorithm picked up on the fact that I said I don't usually speak favorably of Martin Luther and they thought that I was talking about Martin Luther King. Isn't it amazing the kind of algorithms that are out there looking over our shoulder? Had another one the other day that is something else entirely. I I don't even need to mention that one. Yeah, I I will. A pastor in in, uh, Australia saw an article that I had written and posted on Facebook about Israel in the last days. And he asked if he could use that in coordination with his sermon on Sunday. And I said, if my bullets fit your gun, shoot. The algorithm picked that up. They didn't find my sense of humor very enlightening. And eventually they pulled it down when I protested. I said, you bunch of jerks. And I didn't say that, but uh, I I wanted to. So uh, somebody's watching you, but the best part about it is God's watching you. And the great thing that we see in the book of Esther is God was going to protect the Jews that were in a faraway land who may have never returned, but some of those would be of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus was going to be born from the tribe of Judah. So God was going to protect a whole nation of people for one Savior to come into the world. Is He your Savior tonight? Aren't you glad God's into pardoning us and giving us hope of salvation? Here's the final statement. How about an amen for the real final statement? I get people all excited when I tell them to look for number four, look for number seven, and then when I get to seven, they just get all excited. Well, let's talk about the final one. When you can't see God, keep looking because God is always worthy of our praise. God's always worthy of our praise. See, these Jews were pressed against the possible extermination of all of their families. But by the end of the book, they, uh, they begin to celebrate. Chapter 
toward the end here, I believe it's chapter 8, chapter 9, the Feast of Purim happens, and they uh, just still gather today and have a feast. It's actually one of the most positive celebrating time for the Jews. Uh, Usually they're very somber, but it's still still practiced today, even though it's not given in the Mosaic Law. So what is it? What's the summarization of all this? Well, I want to suggest to you that while they celebrate Purim once a year, we ought to celebrate God every day. Well, not wait for some special occasion because every moment is a special occasion in our walk with God. So celebrate God. Be sure you do that tomorrow or maybe tonight before you go to bed. Just celebrate a moment. God, you gave us a good day today and we want to thank you for that and celebrate you for that. Jerry Vines, Baptist preacher, said the lesson for us is that God is at work also in our lives. We may not always see His hand, but He is active on our behalf for our good in events that are large or small every day of our life. You need to see that the book of Esther is sort of just a testimony that God is at work behind the scenes. Sometimes our faith is so small, we want Him to always be out in the open and always very loud so that we can pick up His voice. But the Bible still talks about the still small voice of God. And maybe the obscure presence of God would grow our faith more. So maybe tonight you'll leave here tonight with a little bit of a appreciation that maybe from time to time when you lose sight of God, and God is not in the foreground, we can always be assured that He's in the background. We just need to keep looking, keep looking. God's always there. Keep looking. When you can't see God, Keep looking. Stand quietly with me for prayer, please. Father, you've challenged us again tonight through the book of Esther that you're a great and mighty and awesome God. And I just ask tonight that you would renew me and refresh the people that are in this evening service tonight that they might understand how, how personal you are. And while obviously we're not a, aware of much of what you do for us, some of our eternity will be the recognition of events in our life that were life-changing that God was orchestrating. I want to thank you tonight also. It's kind of personal for me, but... I, I want to thank you tonight that 60 years ago you uh, intruded into and you captured the life of an 18-year-old boy and uh, forever changed his walk. And I thank you for that. And I just appreciate so much all the things that you brought into my life and, and how that you've uh, just shown yourself to be mighty. And I pray that we'll walk humbly before you and we'll be thankful for everything that you are to us and do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing for us, if you will. Lead us and we'll sing together just as we sing. I need thee every hour.
That's what we've learned tonight in this message is that no matter how distant God may seem from us, we need to be aware that He's here and that He's going to go with us tonight. He'll be with us in the morning. All this new week we get to walk with Him. Let's sing that, I have the, just the chorus. I have the preacher today. You'll get your real preacher back this week if you pray real hard for him that he'll get fully recovered. I'm praying for his recovery as well and he has uh, the assurance of my prayers through the days ahead that he gets over this and God was so good to him and to you to spare him of something very hard, very difficult, although anytime they blow your stomach up it's not easy and that's kind of what they have to do to get around to the organs they're going to pull out and stuff. So, uh, anyway, anybody anybody else have a laparoscopic surgery? Anybody can appreciate that. I, I've got a little bit of a stomach, but I don't have a a big one. But if, if they blew it up, I'd be hurting. I know that. So, anyway, pray for the pastor. John, do you have anything else to say tonight? Or you, are you that, you'll do a prayer for us. Okay, why don't you do that for us? Let's bow for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you're so good to us, Lord. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us. And thank you for loving us even through the many times that we are not loving towards you, Lord. Thank you so much for how you stay close to us and love us um, even through our sin. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to draw close to you. Your word tells us that uh, you'll draw nigh, draw nigh to us if we'll draw nigh to you. Lord, I pray that we'll be close and we'll always remember you and what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, help us to, to give glory to you in everything that we say and, we, and that we do. Lord, keep us safe tonight. Be with those that aren't able to be here. Have your perfect will, we ask. In Jesus' precious name, amen.